good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And um, I'm excited today about our guest. Uh, if um, I want to, I want to make an announcement though that um, a lot of you know already, and that is Matt Koenig from the Rockstar Automotive Conference is um, is is a host of this or a, a sponsor of this show. So I want to thank Matt and the Rockstar Automotive Conference. Excited to uh, be there. I will be there. It's in May, and I don't know the exact dates, but it's um, it's go to rockstarautoconference.com, and you can find out more about it. So um, without any more about all that, um, I was recently introduced to this lady, and we've become friends now, and she is absolutely a rock star herself, and I want to welcome my friend Lori Foster to the show. Lori, welcome to the show. Good morning, and how lucky for me to be on your Valentine's edition. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. So, so Lori, you know, I, I told you I, I created this show. It's been, been um, I think it was last March or, or, um, or April that I had my first guest on the show, and that was um, Jennifer Gluckow, Jeffrey Gittimer's fiance, and then Jeffrey was the second guest, which you got to meet him the other day. Um, so, so, you know, I, I, I created this show to help um, people that get stuck, help them have a breakthrough in life. And, you know, I think that by hearing other people's stories, we, there's healing power in that. And, and so I want to, I just want you to come on today and tell your story. So, um, let's start with where you were born and raised, Lori. I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where any moment now, my third grandchild, a little daughter, is going to be born within the next couple of days. So so we've got quite a legacy at Bronson Hospital in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. We're really excited. And I mean, literally, this could go off and I'd be like, there's a baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So like, there's somebody in labor right now. <laughs> she's she's this she's this close. Yeah, she's uh, she was due two days ago, and probably doesn't want me to tell you that, but that's what yeah, that's the truth. She was uh, due two days ago. Now is this your daughter or daughter-in-law? This is my daughter-in-law. Okay, okay. So so, and you're not there. I know you want to be there. I want to be there. I'm in Charlotte, where my one of my grandsons lives. I have three kids in three states. Yeah. How do you do it? And a year ago, I made the decision to move to Charlotte, and I haven't missed this latest Michigan and Chicago weather. I've got I'm, to tell you that. I'm just south of there in Ohio, and yeah, it's been um, it's been a bit intense. Not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. So, so you were born in Kalamazoo, so you're you're an Ohio State Buckeye fan. <sighs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. Not um, so much. Yeah. So, so is that where you were raised? I mean, is that where you went to school and everything? And no, I actually, um, I was a little, I was a little girl when um, I remember the houses we lived in, and then I remember hearing that we were moving to Chicago, which sounded pretty nifty to a five-year-old, um, and um, we moved to Chicago when I was five, and even though my parents hated living in Chicago. I was in the backseat of a smog-filled car in smog traffic. Remember that, Ken, when yeah. it was just black, you just sucked it all in. Yeah. And, and I, but my little face and hands would be pressed against the backseat window because, of course, I wasn't in a seatbelt. Right, and right. Just, I wanted out there in the yeah. city, and that really defined me. I, you know, this was new to me. I was so fortunate because uh, we didn't have a lot at that point. But you always have education if you want it. And I was so fortunate to go to schools, elementary schools, where they would say, bring a dime and your lunch bag. 
and we would go to the Museum of Industry or the Art Institute of Chicago or the Shedd Planetarium, uh, the Shedd Aquarium and the Planetarium. John Hancock Tower was brand new, and I got to go up to it its first year. Wow. Sesame Street was brand new when I entered kindergarten. And, you know, I got to – so I got to be exposed to some things far beyond our pay grade. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And, um, wow. And – yeah, and schools with good libraries, and so I became a reader. I was reading at three, um, and like really reading, yeah. and uh, that's a, a funny story of its own, but um, I accelerated at school. I skipped first grade. I was going through all of these programs, and it was just books, and it was exposure, and so I always say, there's so much right at our fingertips. You just have to First of all, know that it's there, want it there, know right. it's there, right. and take advantage of it. So right. that's my early childhood. So it was in Chicago. And Correct. And how, how long were you in Chicago then? Were you, is that where you went through all through school, high school, all that? No, nope, but life's funny. I wound up back there multiple times in my life. We wound up then four years later. Some of my friends might be on in central Illinois. Um, little town. We went straight from Chicago, Ken, to London Mills. Illinois, burgeoning metropolis of cows. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Six, that's a Population big 600. Yep. Wow. That's a huge change. So how old were you when you went over there? Nine and a half. So you spent about four years or so in Chicago. Okay. Yep. And, and when you were, um, when you moved to the farm country, which is where I grew up, um, when you moved there, what was the transition like? Like this big city girl now in in uh, run run doing cow tipping on the weekends and stuff. Right? Yeah, I was horrified, and here I was really a child, but I was a, a little bit of a um, precocious kid. I I was quiet, but I looked at the world around me very differently, and I I honestly could not believe this. Pretty sure that any judge would let me out of that familial arrangement I had going on and get back where I belonged with my people. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. you know, I made some great friends that are friends to this day. You know, Stacy, Daphne, Lynn, Steve, you know, Nori. I mean, just friends that are just great people that through social media, I was able to reignite relationships, you so, know, later in life. So is that is that where you stayed then as a child? Where'd you, you go from are, there? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm, ready. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's time for this journey, yeah, but yeah, let's go. we moved then to uh, Galesburg, Illinois, okay. which I absolutely loved. The biggest town, you know what that's like being in Ohio. It's the biggest town in a in an area of not a lot. So uh, it was the big deal. I had a big high school and absolutely um, loved that school. Go Silver Streaks, and um, yes, and I'll save you a step. We then moved to Michigan. Where I went to two more high schools. Oh my lord! Why I didn't did even you talk move? about what? What? Why was that? What was all the moving about? That's another interview. I really have. No was it a? Was it a? Was 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 your? Was were you in a military family? No. Um. I think um, my parents had some um, objectives. With that, um, my dad had, um, first of all, studied for the ministry in Chicago okay. at Moody Bible Institute, okay. and then he was a minister, and then he left that field, and then he went, he actually sold cars for a year or so in Galesburg, and then they moved, wanted to move back to Michigan, which was home. So, uh, yeah, a long, a long route. So I, so I still think of Illinois, because my childhood was all Illinois. I still think of Illinois as my home state. You say, what's the state flower, the state capital? Those are my immediate reactions. The Cardinal and Springfield, not wow. not the Michigan things, because I never, until 11th grade, I never went to school gotcha. in Michigan. Did yeah. you did you end up, I mean, did you end up going to college? Um, not at that time. No, okay. I only wound up taking a few courses a few years ago. Okay. Nope, I was married. Are you ready? At 17 years old. Were you really? Yeah. Wow. How do you like that? See the things you don't know about me, Ken. Yeah. I was married at 17. I was still in high school. And go ahead and ask the question. Three, two, one. No, I was not already expecting a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I, I waited a full two years. So I was almost 19 when I had my first child, and I had three by the time I was 22. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So when so, people say you're a young mom, I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. It was so, it was great though. So so you didn't go to college. Were, were you a stay at home mom, or did you did you go out and and work? Or I mean, not that I'm stay at home moms work there. I couldn't do it, but no worries. And some of the best boot camp for my future life. It's funny how life like sets you up for things that you don't know are coming, but life knows that you're coming. Um, so I stayed home with the kids. Uh, my former husband had a business that was very successful, and I ran that from home okay. with the kids at my ankles. And um, we wound up building a few houses. I wound up designing that, like truly, like drawing those out. We built them from scratch, and I loved construction, which again falls into my real life of building things. I'm always saying we're building something together here. So I just, and I really think about going from not just what you see when you drive by from the idea, from the blueprints, from the groundbreaking and so on. Yeah. So, but at some point you, I mean, you've spent years in the automotive industry. Um, What, what brought you to that? A divorce. (laughs) Oh, You know, uh, because I did not have this, um, my skills and my time spent and knowledge base were with the construction industry and everything that I'd done with my husband and church work and playing the piano and volunteering and raising kids and coordinating life. And um, I I thought to myself, I had a couple jobs first, um, but I thought to myself, if I've got to bet on something, I'm going to bet on me because if I go in to get a job, all I really qualify for on paper, and you got to remember, this is 1993, four in there, was secretarial work. And I wouldn't have even been a great secretary. Gotcha. So, you know, I didn't have all the qualifications for even uh, an $8 an hour job back then. So I no. thought, I've got to make more. When I was a kid, I had waited tables instead of working at McDonald's. So I was willing to do the extra work always to make more money. Um, so now it's like, I guess this is what I do. So, so I got but, hired away from one job to another to another, wound up at a car dealership. So, well, but how how uh, how long were you married? I mean, I'm assuming this was the guy you got married to at 17. How long were you married? 13 years. Were you really? Mm-hmm. So you, here you are, 30 years old. Yeah. Divorced. Three kids. Mm-hmm. And um, looking for a job. Yep. And. Um, McDonald's and, probably didn't pay enough to, to, to cover three kids. No, <laughs> I answered. I looked. I remember sitting on my bed, very sad. On a Sunday afternoon, the kids were laying down, the little Sunday afternoon nap thing after church, and I had a newspaper on my bed, and I was like going, like, I'm looking at, you know, the classifieds, the one ads. I'm like, Literally sitting there, and we lived in a big, beautiful house. We'd accomplished a lot. All of my friends would have thought everything was great. And I'm sitting there crying, looking at these one ads going, I qualify for absolutely nothing. Like, who will make that? There's nothing on here. You don't make me cry, Barbara Walters. But but there's nothing on here that I can do. Like, I'm qualified, must have experience at this, must have a four-year degree, must have. And I'm like, when I know what I've accomplished and – what then that translates to, it, the net value at that point was almost nothing. So I answered an ad for Macy's and started selling um, coats, fur coats. Don't throw don't throw stuff at me. Um, and wound up selling a lot of fur coats. And I got transferred to the men's suits department. So I know how to measure you for wow. a suit. Nice. And then I got hired to a furniture company. And then from there, one of my customers hired me into the car industry. And what did they, what, what did you get hired into? I mean, what was it that you were, was it sales? Yeah. Where I was going to make six figures that year. No problem. It was a layup that, you know, wow. That's what it was going to be. So you, you, and how you were, was that in the same time period? 30, 31 years old? 98. I was 90. There was a 98 now. So now I was like, so now we're going to know. I'm 55 right now, so we'll just do the math here. Um, so it was 98, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. You know, 1998, here I was, um, summer, and 
this car is a rear wheel drive. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> wow. No idea. You didn't know. Ask me how to build a house. Yeah. But um, but I I studied books. I learned a lot. I learned fast. I learned something from every customer that was there for every other salesperson. They're here to see James Kaiser, Bob Newcomer, Steve Repka. And I greeted every one of them and learned something from every one of those interactions. I'd read the Monroney label. I'd ask them why they were here, what they were driving, as I graciously took them to their salesperson. Like, if I'm going to go out there in that hot parking lot, I'm going to learn something every single time. Wow. So, so you, and where, what, this was still in, where, where? This was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay. Okay. I feel like I'm bouncing all over the country right now. I do too. (laughs) Yeah. So, or at least the upper Midwest. Um, So, so you, you were, um, and, and so tell me how that went. Did you make a hundred grand your first year? Oh, not even close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would say I was this close. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I made uh, 50 um, and was going like and I'd made more at my last job. Yeah. Um, and I was like, OK, so I had to have some chats with them. Like, I really want to do this. Um, they did. They were kind enough to get me through a knot hole that I had one time. <clears throat> I'll never forget that. Because something equally awful happened a few months later, but this helped. Um, I just sat down with them and said, I want to stay. It's winter. I'm not making any money. I got three kids to feed, and this isn't this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to go, not because I don't love it here, because I'm going to have to go. Right. And so they told me, they said, we're going to make sure that you make $5,000 a month the, through the winter, not just this month, through the winter. And if you don't make it, you don't have to pay us back. Like not a, you know, not one of those draw against. Yeah. And I wound up only selling six cars that month, but I made over $6,500. And the feeling that that was the digging and just to know that I, somebody had my back and that I could, I was going to survive. I was going to pay the rent and take care of the kids. That was all I needed. And then it was never looked back from there. Wow. So, so did you stay at that same dealership then forever or what, what? Ken, I would have, um, and parts of me still wonder what that life would have looked like because I would have still been in Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, where I have, uh, you know, innumerable friends and family and connections. Um, the dealership job had gotten incredibly, not just easy, but fun. I was selling 20 cars a month. very profitably, not giving them away, enjoying my life. Um, I'd walk through the service department and a customer was like, hey, Lori. And it was just like, it was that whole thing that everybody tells you you can have, you know, once you're there long enough, that book of business, that, and I'd be on my way selling a car and somebody else would ask me a question and they'd wait for me because they saw me hustling. Um, Wow. Wow. But I wanted to go into management. Right. I, I spent a lot of my time getting everybody set up. That was a new hire, helping my managers, doing all that lot work, snow, rain, shine, didn't matter. And I was thinking much of my life is getting spent helping others. And that's really not helping my family or me grow professionally. Right. So I, I I asked to go into management. And? Did, Ken, you, did, you, did you go? Ken, I would have loved – well, I did, but not there. So they um, – 33 men selling cars there. I was the only female. Young men were constantly, it was a big store, constantly getting pulled into management roles. They would come in, maybe hungover, maybe with a wrinkled shirt, maybe never helping anyone, maybe not a great attitude. And um, they pulled me into the Glaston GM's office right in the middle of the showroom. GSM, hey, Laura, we want to sit down and chat. Hey, Laura, Laura is what everybody calls me. That's my friend. Uh, oh boy. So we sat down and I'm like, so and like, this is the big moment. And the guys are all out there and they can see me. And they just said, we appreciate everything you do. You're a great asset. Your customers love you. You help everybody here. Gosh, we love having you on the team. I'm like waiting. And they said, yeah, but, um, we discussed it and you know, women just can't be managers in the automotive business. It just doesn't work out. Yeah. Mm, wow. 
So now these guys are out there, and I think they knew what was going to happen. And I thought, all I have right now is um, not just my dignity, but I need to say something for the future. I'm like, this is very unfortunate that you feel this way, because right now I'm doing a job that you would hire anybody to do. You hired me, and I was an idiot. I knew didn't know whether my car was front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. (laughs) And I outperformed everybody. And consistently in the top, I won't say the top person, but the top three or four all the time out of 33 people with a lot of legacy. And so I just, so in my mind right then, I smiled, I thanked them, and I knew that I had to leave because I knew that that wasn't right. And I knew I had to go and help others, and I wasn't going to let that stop me. Wow. So you walked out that day? Nope. Uh, nope. I waited. I walked in and get this. I walked into a dealership. It was funny because life's funny. A guy that I used to work with there was just pinging me on LinkedIn this morning. He was so excited about my new business. And um, he was a co-manager with me. But I walked into a showroom across town, and under the ruse of I'm picking up a brochure for my oldest daughter's next car. Yeah, and this this guy that I know from the neighborhood, the kids where my kids went to school in Richland, he said, "Lori, how you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm great, Bert. Can you help me with this brochure? Tell me all about the Grand Am." And and so he he disappears from me. He comes back out and he says, "Roger wants to talk to you." And I said, "Roger Supis. He's the GM that everybody in town emulated. He was so." just classy and professional and smart and calm no matter what was happening. And he invited me into his office. Now, trust me, I all I did was I walked in there looking for a brochure. He goes, I know who you are. You're not here for a brochure. You're sniffing something out. <laughs> What's going on, Lori Foster? I'm like, um, like I felt like guilty in my head. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and I remember I still have my job across town. Yeah. And I said, um, I told him, and here it was my first interaction with him, and I was like back to this lump in my throat. I'm like, you know, I have the skills. I don't want to be judged for being a female. I'm a professional woman in automotive. I'm not a girl selling cars or a girl hanging out here. He gave me my first shot at management. Oh, wow. Yes. Right there. Right there. So I had to go back, gather my things. I mean, I, I took like a week or so, yeah. told them that I just had to make sure that was going to sit all work and drove from one side of town that morning to the other side of town and started my management career. Never in, looked in, back. In Kalamazoo, Michigan. Thank you, Roger Supas. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So, so, so the let's talk about, because this, this show is not about automotive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about, it's about getting through the crap and, and I, I want to talk about, um, and it's not even gender specific, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Uh, but I want to talk about the moment that, 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 that will be nice. That guy looked at you and said, you know, women don't make it in the automotive industry. This, this, you're not going to be a manager. This just isn't for you, you know, and talk about that, 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 I mean, it had to be like getting punched in the gut, like, right. What, 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 what would, what happened in that moment for you emotionally? What did you feel? What, what did you get pissed off? I think it, it was so many things at once. Um, because I really had worked hard. I wasn't, I wasn't a joke. I wasn't just one of these guys showing up, laughing through the sales meeting. And I mean, they're sure they're, they're fair share of antics at the dealership. Right, um, right. But like I had really dedicated myself, worked hard and I did a great job. Like all the things that we talk about today, like take care of the customer or whatever. It was just organic, intrinsic to me. Yeah. And I thought I could help you so much. I could help take this, to a new level. I could be, help you be more profitable. I could help people stay instead of this kind of, it was just shocking. Um, so I would say horrified, disappointed with myself, angry at them. And then I had to go home and see my teenage daughters. Mm. 
and tell them what happened. And I'm like, on my grave, I will do everything I can for this to not be your path. I didn't have the opportunity to go at school to school right out of high school. They, my, my kids all went, you know, we just made that possible. It was not easy. It was tough, but it's like, that's, it's not going to be an option. Um, unbelievably one of my girls just got so many scholarships they paid her to go to school wow. but um yeah and that's all on her that's not on me at all but i just go like i never want this life for my girls or any other women around me and so when i think about breakthroughs and things it's like it's all i have to do is first of all you have to save yourself right yeah got to save yourself first put the oxygen mask on and then anytime you can Look out there and see anybody, male, female, whether it's a, a race that's not as absorbed into an environment as well or another, you've got to do everything you can to help. And so when I say better together and people first, things like that, that's in my soul. That's not about the business that I'm in. That's I, who I am. I think, you know, I've I've um, I've told the story before. I, I, I've never I'm not in the car business. Technically, I've, I've been adopted. Um, but the, you know, I, I sold, <laughs> I sold at a Jeep dealership one day or two days or something. And, and this, this couple came in and asked if, um, this was in Atlanta. They asked if like, Hey, they, they're advertising that the Cherokee won't roll or something. I'm like, yeah, they're saying that. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm new here, but we can take it on a test drive and give it <laughs> give it hell. Oh, <laughs> and, no. And so we go to a parking lot, and I mean, they're doing 360s in this thing, and I'm just hanging on for my dear life. But it wouldn't roll, and they bought it. But I got fired for that. <laughs> for well, letting nice job, and nice job. It looks like it suits you really well, being fired <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah, but you know, so so I think though I, I don't know I you know I'm dear dear friends and and Lisa Copeland is a dear friend of mine and a client of mine and I have so many other clients and friends in the automotive space that um, you know I, I see that there is this big like the Women in Automotive um, conference and there's there's a big um, I don't know if it's a shift yet, but there it seems to be there's a big push, a big movement um, occurring for women to become more, you know, relevant in the automotive space for sure. Um, so it, it sounds like you have um, some doing in, in all of that. I, I enjoy it. I participated a lot. In fact, one of my uh, first projects that I've been requested to not just speak at, but possibly consult at, came from an interaction there. And at that time, I had no idea exactly who that was or what she did for her organization and and no idea that I'd be starting a company a few, you know, seven, eight months later. Um, I think it's powerful. I think um, it's becoming more powerful. Um I think the conversation, there are, are bits of it becoming normalized, but I think we still need to help um, the gentlemen see a path because this path of it being so male-dominated it is so worn in. There are just ruts in the ground. And so the easiest thing to do when things get a little weird is go right back to what you know. Right. And um, with some recent events the last year, um, I've actually seen a little bit of retraction from some folks uh, just saying, well, you know, it's kind of easier if we just don't have girls at this party we call automotive. Um, but I believe in the greater good. And I believe that day in and day out, you've got people like Brian Benstock out there. That guy couldn't work harder from his standpoint to say, you know, without saying he's um, just waving a banner for having women in automotive. Yeah. He's, He's doing what he can. So if every guy out there can just look around and say, I just worked for an enormous organization and people would say, oh, we have women in leadership roles. I'm like, we have, I'm just going to say over a few hundred swords. That's all I'm going to say. And they yeah. would say, oh, well, there's Sue and there's Tanya and, there, and like, and I say, the fact that you can name them, that's the problem. <laughs> there are four or five right. in the entire country. Right. So like. That's a problem because then what's happening, then it doesn't matter what the business is, is if you don't have enough 
it's not just different perspective. It's entire different levels of experience yeah. and exposure. Like my my life as a mom and in construction and in selling all this, like I brought something to the table and I do have a different experience with life and uh, businesses aren't giving themselves the opportunity. And you're seeing some pretty um, serious clinical cracks and fissures, whether it's the most of our vendors are the same way, Ken. Yeah. Most of our vendors are, are the same way. So so business, it's just got to slowly get there. I'm like, could we get to just 10% female GMs within the next five years? Just 10. That well, would be and I, I, awesome. And again, I know, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, Melissa Burrow was a general manager. She's a client and f dear friend of mine. And, you know, I know some females, you know, Lisa Copeland was GM owner in, in, in a dealership and, and, but again, it's a very, it's a very small, but I, I don't know, I don't know that many people in, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I don't know on that level. I know a lot of people in the vendor space probably more than anything, but, um, so, so you have, um, so you, let's go back to that, that moment though. I, I love the way you skirted that. Um, <laughs> just like a woman. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> he just did that. He just did that. <laughs> I'm totally joking. So, but I, I want to talk about that moment. I mean, because there's, there, there comes a point in everybody's life or multiple times points, um, yeah. that, that you go, I've freaking had it with this crap and I'm not going to take it anymore. And, and I'm going to make a radical shift, a radical change. And that happened for you when they said, sorry, but, but, but women just don't, don't fit into management in the automotive yep. space. And you, you're, you, your, uh, proverbial top blew off your head. Right. So yep. you got mad and you did something oh. about it. I got to tell you, you know, what's really funny is, um, and we'll go, we will go back to that. But what's really funny is how recently, like in the last year or so, that whole episode has become in some ways, and I, I can manage myself, but in some ways there's more infuriating response from me and determinedness. Is that a word? Um, <laughs> sure. Than ever because I look, it's been 21 years and we're still not very far. And I'm like, I'm disappointed that I haven't been able to do more. I know I think I've done what I, I think I do what I can on a daily basis. But um, so, yeah, I was determined. I did. I went to the other store. Um, within three years, I got a call to go and run a large operation, 300 car a month store. Wow. I was the GSM with an almost inactive GM. So I was running the front of the store marketing, building a B2C, um, five brands plus a used car store. Then I said, I want to see if I'm good at this or not. And I picked up my toys and I took a job in Boston. Whoa. I, Yep. I was like, I want to know if I'm good at this in Michigan or if I'm good at this mm. and I'm good at this. So I, I get out to Boston, crazy schedule, a cancer thing, um, got that all handled while I lived there. Some of the best medical people in the world, luckily, yeah. Yeah. Um, worked for some great people who I'm still friends with to this day mm -hmm. and then came back to the Midwest because of some family health concerns. But like, from that point on, even though the, there were still plenty of no's and roadblocks along the way, promise you that. But every time I would look at what was really happening and go, pick up my stuff, all my knowledge, what do I know now that I didn't know when I started at this latest place, and then go. So it can look a little bit like chock-a-block, yeah. but it was every time, learn, retool, go to the next thing. So and then you, I got my dream you, job. You you ended up in Boston, which is a, a a little bit bigger than Kalamazoo. Were you a were you a, a GM? Nope, I was a GSM there. GSM, okay. And and um and then you ended up um doing what? Did you stay in Boston for a long time? Two years. Okay. Two years there, and then back to uh, Chicago. I've done this Chicago, Michigan, Chicago, Michigan. And then I got a call from a huge automotive vendor for a dream job. 
And I went on the road uh, over, like, I'd never spoken on a stage in my life, you know, always doing training in the store, over 100 cities a year as a dealer, trainer, and speaker everywhere. Flying, never done that. Wow. Um, Every day, flew every day. And I have the miles to prove it and no audience. You cannot have them. <laughs> They're for my kids. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I mean, so I every think day. You transfer some of them to me. <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to, we'll, we'll meet somewhere. Yeah. We'll, we'll work something out. But so, that was just phenomenal. So uh, are you allowed to say what vendor or what, what company you went to work for? That was cars.com. I loved it. I bled purple. You know, there's auto trader and cars at that time. Yeah. And for me to get that call, um, to get the job. What's that? What is that? What, I mean, I don't like, like I, what is, I mean, cars.com, that's just where you go to look for cars or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And they had me in a position where it was a thought leadership role, which was right up my alley. I trained back then on mobile, social media, customer uh, retention and relationships, reviews, all the tools to get better. Okay. And and how did you, how did, how did cars.com help dealers? I mean, you're saying, so you went out to car dealers all over the nation, it sounds like. And and train them on what? How to use cars.com? <laughs> no, not a, no, the great thing was that had nothing to do with my job. Oh. So there, there would be regional people who did that. Let's just say it was in Ohio, like where you live. Yeah. So there would have been, I love Rebecca Jenkins. So I'll say, hi, Rebecca Jenkins. She had this huge Columbus market and she would have me come in and her team would drive an audience and we'd be at a hotel somewhere and there'd be... 20 to 100 people, uh, and I did meetings like that every day. So they handled the relationships with the customers. I had the pleasure and privilege of preparing, dropping in, delivering a message for three hours, answering questions, being authentic with them, the audience, um, and helping them with what's happening next, how to use all of the new digital tools. Remember, this was from like 2009 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, digital tools were newer. Uh, mobile was newer. Um, reputation management. Um, what's next in the industry? Um, hiring and retention. So yeah. I talked to them about all the things that could help their business. And so that could not have been, and all the OE, I worked with almost every OEM. They would even call me. Toyota would call me personally to come back out to their events. Um, Almost every major, all of the major like groups, Fantile, Lithia, Group One, AutoNation, Sonic, Penske, I worked with all of them. I well, what a kick for a girl from Kalamazoo. And in that, so that's 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 pretty awesome. I, I think though, remember that there are a lot of people that watch this show that have no idea what you're talking about. So okay, um, like that just aren't in the automotive space, and so there's terms that. Um, you know, like my friend and client, um, Elise Kephart, right? She does yep. BDC training and, and, and I, I, I built this funnel for her and we did all this stuff and, and about, I think a month and a half or two months into our relationship, I said, Elise, um, I, I gotta ask you this. I kind of feel dumb, but can you kind of explain what BDC means? <laughs> Cause right. And so hey, I, at least I didn't, you spelled it right. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I know what it stands for, but I, I didn't know what it meant like in a dealership. Cause I just didn't know. So, right. yeah. So, I mean, so you, all of a sudden then you are, you go from, that that I guess the the thing that ties all this success together is is you you were told look look lady <laughs> this this business management for 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 women in this this business is just not gonna work it's not gonna work for you or any other woman that comes along so you might as well just get back out there and keep selling some cars and look pretty and smile <laughs> yeah do your job yeah. Is that right? So that's terrible. It was horrible. That's terrible. But so what I, I think the, the the moment for you was you got pissed off and you did something about it. Yep. And, you know, I'm still standing. I think back to then, to that time, and how many people have churned through even that organization yeah. or 
Oh, countless others. Forget about them. That's why I never name them because there are a few of those people still out there. And I don't disrespect them, but I do disrespect their mindset. And I do have a funny feeling that they're still not aware of what they did. Yeah. And, and, um, the why they did it to me is irrelevant. They right. did it. Right. Um, it's like, I don't really care what their motivation was. They did it and it was absolutely wrong. And if I was a litigious person, I'd still go back and scare them with a lawsuit, but yeah. I'm not like that. Right. So, not that people shouldn't, but just that's just not me. But you know, it's absolutely, totally unfair, yeah. unfair, unfounded, ridiculous. And I never got the apology. Maybe it'll come after today's show. But you know, <laughs> all I can do is every day use that. But you know, I, I do have to say this though, Ken, it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting to have to walk in and prove yourself over and over. Even when I was going on a stage every day. Yeah. But I, I had a game. I would be like, okay, there's a couple guys out here with their arms crossed looking at me like, what does this girl person even know? <laughs> and it would be like, as soon as I would see like their arms uncrossed, then they do this thing. Arms uncrossed here. Yeah. Then it's like, then it's like they're leaning forward or they're like, Hey, and they look, I'm like, I got them. I got hey, them. We got, we got Carrie Wise on. Love Carrie. She's amazing. Love her. I, Hi, I Carrie. know. And so, <laughs> and she, when she was on the show, she talked about being a speaker at NADA and, and, and <laughs> it was, it was, it was hilarious. So, so, but you've been through the same, same thing. All of it. All of it. And wow. over and over, yeah. you have to prove yourself every single time you start speaking still to this day in the industry that I serve. And I know many of the other people out there where they are also but to varying degrees. So we've still got a long way to go. And if you could see my desk, you would see like like all the things I'm working on at any point in time, like knowledge is my um, number three driver. I'm uh, relationships disruptor, knowledge, determination, like, and I think the knowledge thing comes from two things. A, from when I was a child, yeah. I've always been a learner, but B, I know that in this industry, I can't know as much as the next guy. I have to know more. I want to, I want to make a uh, quick plea to everybody on the show that's watching. Share this out. This is such a great and powerful story. Share this out so somebody can, can, it's going to help somebody. I know that. So, and if it, and if any of your folks out there, I don't care what they're doing right now, but can in the brief amount of time that we've known each other, I do like the stuff that I do on LinkedIn and whatever I do for nothing. Yeah. I take so many phone calls and whatever. If there's somebody that I can help, just even get through a knot hole. You know, hope's not a strategy, but sometimes hope is all you got for five minutes. Yeah. And if I can yeah. give somebody hope just so they can get their nose back above water. Right. And start seeing what's out there and what they've already accomplished. I'm here, you know, it's it's my absolute pleasure. I'm at a point in my life where I get to choose some of the things that I spend my time on. I don't get told what I have to do and can't do. I can help people if I want to help people. That's people so who awesome. want to help themselves, you and I both have time for that, that's, don't we? That, that's right. So, so... Um... I, I, I'm, I, you know, and for the record, you didn't have to prove yourself to be on the show to me, <laughs> right? In fact, you asked me to get him, or oh my god, tell, tell everybody how how that went down because I think I shocked the crap out of you. <laughs> okay, so I am a girl that doesn't get shocked easily, as you now know, right? right. And so, so everyone, so last week, I. Um, there's a couple messages in here. So I had reached out to Ken because I saw the powerful interview that he did with Carrie. I wasn't connected to him, couldn't figure out why that wasn't so. So I sent him a little note just saying, hey, that was a great interview. He responded. We became friends. And then all of a sudden, within a few hours, we were on a Zoom doing a face-to-face -face like this, um, just getting to know each other. And he told me, he said, sorry, I'm just closing out a conversation with my friend, my client, and blah, 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 Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm like, what? Who? I said, you tell that guy. <laughs> you did. Yeah, I don't think you believed me. I, I, okay. I, I absolutely did not believe you. <laughs> but let the record say, absolutely. Wow. BS meter was that, like. <laughs> that hurts my, my feeling. 
So no, 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 no. I'm kidding. So, so I said, well, hang on a second. I'm sending a text message to somebody, and boom, what happened? Jeffrey Gittimer's face is next to your face on my screen, <laughs> and I'm in like not feeling good in a yoga jacket, and I'm losing my mind. I'm like, oh my god, it's my hero, Jeffrey Gittimer. That's him. I love. I, I love. I Jeffrey. was buying his stuff. When I had no money to be buying books, right. I was reading his sales caffeine and you did it. Can't you like, I still like, I was telling a friend earlier today about it and I, he's like, Oh my God, Jeffrey Gittimer, I still have a little red book of selling. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you are unbelievable. You just don't even know, like, forget about Brad Pitt. I met <laughs> Jeffrey Gittimer. <laughs> and he lives right down the road from you. So. I know. I'm going to. Yeah. Buy him lunch one of these days. Yeah. Well, Thank you again. That was absolutely just, you know, <laughs> unbelievable, kind, well, generous, fun. He is. All he that. is such he's such a great, great, great person. I love that guy. So. So. Um, and he is a good friend of mine. <laughs> Jeffrey. Hi, Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey. Jeffrey gets on and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of Ken's two friends. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing he said. He's like, yeah, oh, he pays me to say this. Yeah. So, right. yeah, oh. Oh, you got a lot of friends I'm, and I'm lucky to be one of them now, Ken. I, it's just I, great to know you. I feel the same exact way. You're amazing. So, so like, I, I can't even believe we've been on here 46 minutes already. So, so let's talk about, um, you know, kind of the, what this show is about. And, and, and that is how many, I, I want you to really think about this. How many thousands or millions of women have been in the same exact position where some, some egotistical freaking, um, What's the word? The word for a, 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 a chauvinistic pig says some crap like, no, women don't advance in this company and it's not happening for you either. And you did something about it. You took massive action. And, and I love that. But how many women do you think, though, that that, that happens to them and they just they just, you know, kind of stay status quo? They don't want to make any any waves and, and how, how, and what would you say to them to help them get unstuck? So it happens every day and they all don't always have to be a misogynistic baboon. Sometimes it just looks <laughs> like a guy that just like, Hey, and sometimes the, the worst thing is when they say it in the nicest way possible. So, uh, I think, um, how do you get unstuck? First of all, you have to know that you're stuck and you have to just say, okay, this is, here's the map. You are here. Yeah. <laughs> you're here. This is where you are. Cause you can't go anywhere without like truly assessing where you are. You've got to take a look at, I would tell anyone, write down what you're good at and just close out everything that anybody told you. Cause as women, we hear and absorb all the things that we're bad at. And we even like, does this make my butt look big, you know, like everything we do, <laughs> you know, so, so we have to stop the negative self-talk and just say like right now, truly, what am I good at and what do I want to do? And I won't even go into like the whole vision board and what would my perfect world look like? Because like, forget that for right now. Let's just talk about like right now where you are, where are you? What do you have? What do you know? Who do you know? And just start working towards it. Read everything that you can. If you don't want to read about it, then I don't think you're probably as interested as you say you are or not as good at it because somebody else is going to get better at you in 15 minutes. So expose yourself, immerse yourself, walk right into the meeting that's happening that you were not included in or invited to. Just, just get in there. Raise your hand. Say, hey, the next time you guys are going golfing, could I at least meet you for breakfast before or after? Just wow. You've got to just be more assertive than you want to and just say, this is about not just me, but it's about my future, the people in my circle, because if I'm healthier and stronger, I can help more people, right? Yeah. And you just have to do it. And Nike, just do it. And you have to like, even this morning, I was giving myself a couple little coaching, like out loud coaching myself, do this, do this, do this. You accomplished this yesterday. This day is going to be good. Like whatever it is that you have to do, do it. Um, just put your game face on. Um, 
it is a little bit of fake it till you make it because you have to get into that habit of being included in language, included in conversations. Elevate your language. Make sure you're talking the right language. Make right. sure you know when the appropriate place is. And don't, um, don't go about to mm-hmm. rustle feathers. Go about to do great work that gets seen. It, there's a difference. Yeah, so, sure. I, 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 and I absolutely agree with that. So I, I think that um, you're, you're absolutely, a, you are, you're a rock star. So, so with, with, you know, when you see, let's say somebody called you up and I ask every single guest the same exact question toward the end, end of the interview. If, if somebody called you up and they said, I'm stuck. My electricity is getting shut off tomorrow. My car was repossessed last week. Uh, it's it's all hitting the fan. And and I know that you're you're very very big in in helping you know females. But believe it or not, men go through this same crazy stuff too. Um, but you know, like regardless of who it is, they they just can't figure it out or they're stuck. What do you say to that person to help them in that moment? Because you know and I know it starts right there, right? But what do you say to help them get through that place of being stuck? So I'm going to tell you something I never planned on telling you in this. I was there. I've been there in that exact position. Um, Life wasn't easy for a few years. It went from a lot of stuff to not much stuff after I made a decision to leave that stuff and didn't make a lot of money for a while. The first thing you have to do, again, is take an honest assessment of where you are. You just have to say, this is where I am. You have to freaking own it. Yeah. This is where I am. It doesn't even matter how I got there. You can sit there and do charts and graphs of how you got there. You just have to say, here I am. Is this the life I want or not? Because, And what was my role in getting here? Was it not taking that phone call? Was it reallocating money? Should I, even with a little, should I have reallocated it differently and figure it out? I read Dave Ramsey because I believe that if you don't take care of your personal life, you can't really ever get out of it and get to your professional life because you are one and the same. And so I went through a whole thing. Maybe we can talk about it on another whole. It's a, it's a, a lot. And I got myself out of a ditch, never did a bankruptcy thing, but got myself out of a ditch mm-hmm. that was um, pr- for a lot of people. They would have just said, whatever, I'm going to just take the easy way out. And in 18 months, I completely got out of it, but I had to own it. And I had to do the tough things when other people were doing fun things. I sat at home and I worked out my plan. And so you have to like acknowledge it, identify your role in it, identify how you need to take it on, get a plan together, and you have to execute daily. And sometimes it's hourly or by the minute as people with other issues know, like sometimes that decision is in that moment, but you have to say, I've got, I've set my sail. Am I going, is what I'm doing today getting me towards that or away from that? And that was my new year's resolution several years ago, more of what I want, less of what I don't want. And I would just say that simple thing. So you just have to ask yourself, what do you really want? And you've just got to handle your life, make the decisions and you're going to be so proud of yourself because it doesn't take any time at all. And all of a sudden you're on another side and you're on another path and you're like, how did I get here? But you did the work, you yeah. did the work. And, and um, so it's just that, that journey of a thousand miles begins with that single step. It's an old axiom, but it is true and you yeah. can do it. And I would just have that conversation with them and I'd help them get the a three day plan even might be all someone needs to just, Right. Get on that better path. You're you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And and Melissa Burrow is on here, by the way, and she she's loving your story. She's, Hi, Melissa. She, do you know Melissa? <laughs> uh, I don't you, think so. <laughs> you guys, you guys need to connect. She is a she is a female in automotive. Like she's a rock star for real. Awesome. So so um. You know, I, my my, I, it all comes down to what you're saying, and and I've heard you know 160 interviews that I've done, and and there is a common theme, and that common theme tends to go back to mindset. My um, my dear friend, good friend of mine, Frank Crenitti, um, mm-hmm. is he sells 100 cars a month. That makes him one of the top two in the world, I believe. Um, and and you know, and he does that on his own, right? And, wow. and and so we we just hung out for for a few days in Miami last week and and 
Um, and Frank's tell, I said, dude, how do you do it? And he's like, dude, it's all about mindset, man. It's all about mindset. And, and he goes, when I get up in the morning and I put my tie and my suit on and I'm getting ready and I'm in the front of the mirror, he goes, I literally, I will not leave the house until I've high fived the mirror and say, I love being me and actually mean it. Like I know I mean it. He goes, there's many times I've high-fived myself and I didn't mean it. I will not leave that mirror until I mean it. And then I go take on the day, man. And, and so that's where champions are built from the inside, right? And if it, you've been there where you're like, I can't pay the bills. I can't do this. I can't feed the kids. I can't, right? Yep. And, and it just takes a mindset shift. Yep, but you can do it. Yeah. You, Anybody like, and I don't mean anybody can be the president of the United States or Elon Musk or whatever. Have a better life, no matter where you are, than what you have right now. There's always something more if you're willing to take the steps and do the work. But a lot of people are, are just com comfortably numb, you know, and that, that's just. I've never been. I've never been that person. Some some people may wish I had been a little bit more comfortably numb, but that's just not me. That's not how I wake up. I wake up happy and joyful. I have a family that I adore and I live for. And I look at these people in my network, which is a real network, like your Facebook, my LinkedIn. These are real people and real connections that I care deeply about. Yeah. You know, someone. Um, just, just a little thought here. A couple of weeks ago, someone said something about Lori. You know, nobody ever puts on their grave, on their tombstone. She wished she'd have worked harder. And I said, but you know what? I would actually go down saying she had massive love and spent massive amounts of her time and energy and everything on her family. And she loved the hell out of the people that she worked with and served also. It gave her great joy. That's awesome. I'm fine with that. That is absolutely awesome. That's so awesome. Lori, how can, um, we're, we're coming to the end of the hour. Um, I can't believe it. This flew by. And it, it, how can how can everybody follow you? So Lori Foster on LinkedIn. Um, I I've just started a new company. So uh, the I used to just say something else, but um, just um, my company's Foster Strategies Group. So if you just see Lori Foster, you'll see a person that re re looks remarkably like this. Just a side <laughs> <view>. <laughs> <It's> like this. <laughs> and um, and um, I have a lot of people on there. I talked to them like like your audience can. I talk to my LinkedIn network daily in one way or another. That's awesome. I have people globally that I love. So I'm there or Facebook. If they hit me on Facebook and they're a friend of yours, I will accept them. I don't do like anybody that starts trying to sell or whatever, just like, you know, you're like, uh, if somebody's trying to sell a product on LinkedIn or Facebook, you know, yeah. I got to put them in that special place. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, I will. If you are hungry and want more connections and more meaning out of your personal and professional life, jump in on either one of mine. I love social media. Yeah, you're awesome. You're so awesome. Well, I want everybody. And by the way, I don't know. And I'm going to bring up the Rockstar Automotive Conference that Matt Koenig is doing out in Vegas. There are some really amazing. Fem There's a huge female lineup of speakers. Awesome. I can't wait huge. to see. Lisa Copeland, um, Kendrick Shope, uh, Katie Mares. I'm trying, I can't remember all of them, but if you go to rockstarautoconference.com and you can see all of it, it's, it's amazing. So that's going to be fun. And I've never been to an automotive conference, so that, that, that'll be my first time. So you want a quick fun fact as we close out? Sure. The store that I, well, Roger Supas gave me the job yeah, yeah. in management. Matt Koenig had just left that chair. You're kidding me. Nope. So I never met him uh, until 10 years later because he was gone. Have you, and do I was you the, know Matt now? I do know Matt very Matt's, well. Yep. Matt's such a good person. He's all heart. That's he for is. sure. He is. Well, and so are you. And, and I got to say that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful to you for taking the time to come on the show. You have an amazing story. You're doing some absolutely amazing things. And I'm honored to call you a friend and proud to know you. 
Oh, same here, Ken. What what a privilege! What how fun! What a what a great week! Since I, I'm telling your audience, I have my life before Ken and after Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you literally so, said that to me in a message yesterday, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you're amazing. And thank you for what you do for me and for thousands of other people. You are inspirational, and that's leadership at its finest. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you to everybody for being on here. Lori, a special thank you to you. I appreciate you, and and thank you. You're very welcome. We'll talk soon. Okay. Everybody on Facebook, Lori, don't hang up. Everybody on Facebook, thank you for being here. Thank you to everybody who shared this out. You all rock. Have an awesome day. We'll see you tomorrow.